0: Previously, in a galaxy far, far away. War! The Galactic Republic, under the de- definitely merciful and kind <laughs> leadership of the former Councilor of Naboo, Sheev Palpatine, is engaged in a desperate struggle against the Separatists and their droid army. This war has mobilized the two strongest, quote, peacekeeping forces known to history. A clone army of Boba Fett's, and the galaxy's most beloved religious cult, the Jedi. Best known for their lightsabers and kidnapping children, this mysterious order are infected with microscopic organisms called midichlorians. This, for some reason, allows them to connect with a mystical presence that binds all life together <laughs> in the galaxy, the Force. But this war is not just being fought by robots and clones, for the Force is also wielded by Sith, which are a lot like Jedi, except they all need tans, and they use red lightsabers. At the heart of this tale is a powerful story of forbidden love, that of Anakin Skywalker, a Padawan and native to the desert planet Tatooine, and of course, his master, Obi-Wan Kenobi, a handsome British guy. These two warriors are joined by a new Jedi, Ahsoka Tano, an orange-skinned teenager with (laughs) with blue and white tentacles for hair. E. Gads. Together, they wage an endless battle that takes place between Star Wars Episode 2 and Episode 3, and attempts to amend the rushed ending of those prequels, while only ever loosely addressing the plots of those films. And now, their battle continues. We interrupt this program to bring you...
1: A giant of limitless power.
2: What would happen, they wondered. Why not try? Nuclear fission.
1: To build the first atomic bomb. Man has released from within the atom's heart. Not one, but
0: many giants. Welcome to Tokyo Signals, the bite-sized kaiju podcast for all your improvised plan needs. I'm Rob, and joining us live and freshly thawed from Carbonite is a very special guest. Would you mind introducing yourself?
2: Hello, everyone. My name is Joshua Gilliland. I'm one of the co-founding attorneys of The Legal Geeks, celebrating our 10th anniversary of our blog and podcast. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's been 10 years? July twelfth, twenty twelve, is when we launched.
0: Whoa, oh my gosh! Uh, you, a uh, uh, long time listeners, will uh, remember your voice from an ancient and most cursed of uh, movies that we covered: uh, uh, Gappa, the Trifibian Monster.
2: That, and I also introduced you to Crater Lake Monster. And yes, you're welcome. You're oh welcome. my
0: gosh, that episode! Oh man, that movie! I, I. Yes. Yeah. Without you, without you, I would not have experienced the best day for night shot ever created. So that's very true.
2: I, I mentioned that to a friend who's on the <laughs> podcast monster party and quick to which he quickly responded with, I have the blue ray <laughs> So there, there are people who do love. It's really funky labor of love of a 1970s Kickstarter that ran out of money yes and that's the best way to describe that uh, extremely attempt at making three films at once
0: <laughs> extremely accurate uh it would also be accurate to say that those number of i think it's like three years ago uh you mentioned that there was a star wars clone wars episode and at this point in time this far off uh, pre-covid era of rob Uh, I remember watching a little bit of Clone Wars, but I didn't personally watch that much of it. And you said, hey, did you know that there's like a giant monster episode? And I said, oh, that's interesting. And I mentioned it offhandedly to Kyle a few days later. And he said, oh, yeah, that's a good one, man. That's a really good one.
2: (laughs) Dave Filoni is a Godzilla fan. So in San Francisco, each year in August, there's Godzilla Fest, which is a film festival festival. And they'll they have a classic movie theater for the entire weekend. And they show Godzilla movies all weekend long. Uh, there have been Dave Filoni sightings <laughs> at Godzilla Fest. So he is one of us, which is why <laughs> this episode, you can see the love. Also in Book of Boba Fett, episode six. You oh, can clearly very see much so. Yeah, it's, it's like. Wow, (laughs) that's full on King Kong. Well well done, guys. Well, bravo.
0: I was kind of wondering, like, yeah, how they were going to tie the Rancor into that. I was like, okay, it seems like they're building up this plot to do something with this. But what is the? What are they? And then, yeah, I, I have my, I have my gripes with the the Boba Fett show, but I can't knock the last three episodes.
2: (laughs) Yeah, just because they made the best Star Wars hour ever filmed (laughs) and it's in the book of boba fett and he doesn't appear in that episode sure it's a little weird but it's a damn good story of like wow there's luke and ahsoka i i don't know how to feel about this but man (laughs) that was good storytelling
0: speaking of good storytelling um (laughs) i want to talk a little bit about our personal histories with uh with star wars's uh, the, the war I at this point, there have been multiple wars, uh, uh, throughout the history of stars. Um, uh, and now I know that you have, uh, in your, uh, your history spent a lot of time talking about star Wars, uh, in legal terms. Uh, but before we dig into the, the legal ramifications of, uh, of the star Wars, uh, Uh, a a a crossover with legal geeks. Uh, Do you want to talk a little bit about your personal history with Star Wars?
2: Absolutely. So I think of my mother when I think of Star Wars. Okay. And a couple of reasons for that. So the Star Wars, I'm going to be 48 on Saturday. And so I was (laughs) almost three when the first movie came out. Mm -hmm. My brother was born about two weeks after it came out. I know we saw it on the drive-in. I know I was very confused at age five, wondering (laughs) where did I see that double sunset? And because again, just didn't, like, it was always there. Yeah. I also have repressed memories of the holiday special, (laughs) which might like get released watching somebody's wedding or something. And I'll scream no for no apparent reason. But (laughs) Uh, the, the big moment for me was going to opening weekend of Empire Strikes Back, which is May 1980. And it's important to think about, for me, what happened in the months leading up to that. So yeah. the end of 1979, I survived spinal meningitis. <sighs> My parents get divorced. Uh, I end up having to redo kindergarten because you actually have to be there. and uh, Yeah, like, if optimize. you're, yeah. So before my mother was going to go off to paramedic school, I and I was going to live with my grandparents. Yeah. She took me to opening weekend and it was glorious. Mm. I remember we saw it in San Jose in the big dome theaters, Century 21, 22, they're they're gone now. But I remember sitting on the blanket with her in the parking lot, cars going around us. <laughs> Getting in, I still remember where we sat in the theater, that angle, and as she likes telling the story, my feet barely went to the end of the seat, (laughs) I had the licorice in one hand, drink in the other, and for the entire runtime of the film, I didn't move or blink, and I can still remember the shrieks of pure horror where vader says no i am your father it's hard to pull off those type of surprises the creative team at star wars has pulled that off a couple times now in the mandalorian and that's impressive because it's hard to keep secrets in this day and age so i think of my mom and all that she did yeah and all the christmas mornings where i was uh I'll share with you uh opening up an attic,
0: <laughs> amazing
2: yeah and so just a good <laughs> clean fun of thinking a family and uh as the later movies came out you know post 2015 you know going to go see uh the force awakens you know at christmas time with aunt brothers their significant others rogue one i went to go see with my cousin who's a year younger than me and again we played the star wars toys (laughs) to uh when the last jedi came out i went to la to see it with my brother at the starlight i am confident i walked by ryan johnson who was there (laughs) incognito as an usher awesome so because i since i saw it the night before at another screening i was going to get snacks and there was an usher standing there it's like and it was released afterwards he was there it's like was that <laughs> could it have been maybe so uh so again it's it's about friends and the community and and family and you know as family members have been you know lo- lost um i think of my mother when i think of star wars i also think of all the friends because when we started the legal geeks We've done lots of Star Wars posts. Yeah. So I, I I did a count last night in prep for this. <laughs> I've done 721 blog posts. Oh over the past my
1: 50. gosh.
2: <laughs> and, and those include posts that, that have like podcasts embedded in them as well. Yeah. Out of the 721, 116 are Star Wars related. Amazing. And one of my first was Han Solo's legal justification for shooting first. <laughs> I will never get appointed to the Supreme court, but that is my contribution to the practice of law. (laughs) And it was picked up. It got lots of retweets and yeah, it's I've been, I, they republished it in Vulture magazine. Wow. Uh, Yeah. When the force awakens was going to come out. (laughs) So uh, we started doing star Wars panels. Yeah. uh, And the law at first, at a small Comic-Con called San Diego Comic-Fest. Yeah. And then we did Tatooine Law at San Diego Comic-Con 2015.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, there were people who said no one would show up. They put us on a Thursday night at 730 in a room that sat 300 plus that was filled to capacity with a line out the door. and Not everyone could get in <laughs> because people care about the law. We had a federal judge on the panel. There were law firms that sent associates to Comic Con <laughs> so they could hear the judge speak. And you know, we covered all the, you know, everything up until that point in time. Yeah. And uh, that that we deemed worthy, uh, <laughs> yeah. of, of a legal topic. And then we had the Q and A. Mm. And one of the questions came from a kid who had to be around seven. Mm. And he posed whether droid manufacturers could be liable for inherently dangerous droids a la like the gun industry or big tobacco
0: man i mean there's a whole there's a whole the droids topic as a whole in star wars because they seem even the most mass-produced ones seem a smidge sentient so like i
2: mean one of the mock trials we did was R2-D2 and C-3PO suing the cantina for discrimination <laughs> yeah that's on our YouTube channel and Amazing. It, so, so we, we've done that we've uh we did the court martial of Poe Dameron for getting everyone killed in The Last Jedi
1: womp womp
2: and uh that was lightning in a bottle I mean there were people mm. from Lucasfilm and, you know <laughs> like follow us on Twitter now <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
0: Well, I think I think there's something very uh, particularly interesting in that while not like directly using metaphor, I think you're tapping into the artifice of metaphor when you're like trying to explain something, because mm-hmm. like by and large, most people don't know like the laws that govern their like right to live. Right. In yeah. our connected uh, ecosystem of the Americas. Uh, we generally like, you know, I, I know the general ones like, yeah, don't, you know, don't shoot someone. Don't have, don't run a red light, you know, be like, you know, uh, 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 don't, don't run like your car through like, I don't know, someone's yard, that kind of stuff. I have some like basic understanding of things, but the general minutia of law and the logics, like the logic that goes into the, like, you know, creation of each law, those are things that I don't have a lot of like expertise in what I do is a lot of pop culture stuff.
2: So, so I and think pop, pop oh. culture is great for helping people. Absolutely. Understand. There's something called Iraq with the, with for law students. Yeah. And that's the style that court opinion should be written in. It goes <laughs> issue. What's the issue. Yeah. What's the rule. What's the analysis, which is applying the rule to the facts mm-hmm. and then coming to a conclusion. And when you start talking Star Wars in the law or Marvel in the law, yeah. you can see an audience working its way through their Iraq analysis. And it is so cool to see that, to see people connect and start getting an idea of how the rule of law works. It's fantastic.
0: <laughs> that's no, I mean, that's exactly, that's exactly it. I think the, the most incredible thing is that you are, Teaching someone uh, uh, an esoteric thing by utilizing these tools that are very accessible, which is modern media, and using that to describe something that is confusing and weird. You're basically – you're someone on deck on, like, the Star Trek Enterprise, right? You know? It's like filling a balloon with too much air. Like, it's it's metaphor. But Mm -hmm. it's using narrative metaphor. I I think it's a very, very – I don't know. The first time that you told me about the concept and like I read a few of like your blog posts and uh, you sent me the Mothra one, uh, which is explaining <laughs> yeah. like talking about the egg stuff, which admittedly was bore- before we did a whole episode where I made Cameron look at pictures of eggs for like two hours.
2: Oh, that's glorious. <laughs> um,
0: so it just and it's it's sh- it's shown to me and it was just like really clicked in my head. I was like, this is cool. This is really, really interesting stuff because it's taking very, very honestly important like information and contextualizing it in a way where a general audience could consume and learn from it. And I think that's just awesome.
2: <laughs> well, thank you. that means a lot. And it it means a lot like to go to Comic Con. We we were there this past year. We had three panels. Yeah. <laughs> we and which is it's like we're not <laughs> a company selling stuff. This is all lawyers and judges yeah. that love pop culture. So we did Jaws the Trial. Awesome. And that, Thursday night, 7 o'clock, packed the room. Uh, so again, huge vote of confidence for us to, to go there and do it. And we all wore 70s clothes because we acted like it was 1975. And Awesome. It, it was outstanding i there will be videos so i know <laughs> how much you love joe ja- i loved your Jaws episode thank you so uh yeah stay tuned <laughs> we did uh star wars uh law of the underworld so all okay the, yeah. those crime issues <laughs> i mean yeah. and, like, i feel that like that the,
0: was... when you get into the underworld i to feel like it would be hard to start imposing a lot of law in
2: there <laughs> there I, at the end, I put this on our TikTok and Instagram because I absolutely loved the person who asked this. Yeah. But she was just as Sylvie from Loki. Nice. And she asked if Emperor Palpatine could be prosecuted under Rico. <laughs> and, and the answer is a resounding yes. Because yeah. it's like the mob boss who takes you know control of the garbage company and then takes control of the ice cream company and yeah. can just builds their empire that way (laughs) that's all rico and that's what palpatine did including organized crime so (laughs) so it was just like you go girl like rock on (laughs) so and then uh saturday night we did uh again full room yeah law and thunder yeah which was uh on dr strange oh and uh again great fun great fun so (laughs) yeah so it's rewarding and it means the world to be able to go and help people understand how laws work
0: yeah no that's awesome um so uh I my own personal experience with Star Wars is a bit similar it's very family oriented i the first movie I saw in theaters was uh was uh, uh episode one but for me, the strongest memories are going to my aunt and uncle's house in, uh, uh, like out in, uh, uh south of Houston. I can't remember the name of their little uh, Galveston. They lived out in Galveston. Um, and every Christmas, like, you know, they had like kind of the biggest house, so everyone would come together there. Uh, and I remember they had all these VHSs uh, on like, you know, there was like the bookshelf, but it was just covered in VHSs. Um, yes. <laughs> because at the time my, my aunt owned a VHS like rental store. Um, and so when something would fall out of favor, she would just like send it to them. Or my uncle would record something on TV. If he really liked the movie. And one of the movies that he recorded or two rather is we had the real VHS release of a new hope and then we had my uncle's terrible TV recording of empire strikes back and then the real release of uh of jedi so what i would do is i would just kind of like bounce i would watch all three of those and i wore the the like uh the empire strikes back episode out like i watched that so much obviously It's like, you know, I I think, like, narratively, like, everyone kind of, like, leans towards that one being the best. But what really stuck out to me, what really, like, pinged my brain as a little, like, you know, scrawny, nerdy kid is, like, Yoda just spending, like, 30 minutes of the movie just talking about this, like, the Force and this, like, connection between all life. And, like, you know, considering my parents, big hippies, it just really (laughs) jazzed with me, man. I just, like... I don't know, there's something about this, this idea of the Force was such an interesting, like, cool thing Um, because it's just, like, this mystical connection. Like, everything is bound together. All life forms are connected to this, like, presence. And obviously, it lets you do cool things, like, you know, lift rocks or, you know, pull your lightsaber closer to you or fo- force choke someone or whatever. Um But it's also just this, like, I don't know, like... The idea that, like, you know, the, your physical form is not like where your strength comes from. It's not where your strength lies. Your strength is within, you know? I just, I always really, really liked that whenever they would throw that into like an 80s movie, primo stuff.
2: <laughs> the Taoist and other Eastern philosophies mm-hmm. that are very evident in Yoda specifically, but in the Force throughout further media uh, is it's more than endearing it does give like useful life lessons yeah which is again it's it's the full-on hero's journey of yeah doing the right thing and i think that's one of the big things about star wars is you get characters represented with a choice Mm -hmm. do i do the let's let's pick mandalorian because i think mandalorian is some of the best star wars but at the end of episode one or excuse me chapter one of mandalorian yeah you know, his, his orders are, uh, you know, bring in this bounty that's supposed to be 50 years old. Yeah. Kill it. Yeah. And when they open it up, and again, that's the surprise one. Yeah. That blew everyone's mind with Baby Yoda, now <laughs> known as Grogu, with everyone going, holy Christ. Like, this is, now we know what the show is about. Yeah. And he shoots IG-11. <laughs> and uh, so to to save the kid. Yeah. And he takes the kid to the space Nazis. Yeah. And then decide, and it's, it's the Dipper Chow episode that got her the Kenobi series. Yeah. But the visual storytelling of him getting ready to leave. And he reaches up to the handle on the razor crest. Yeah. And it's missing the top of the ball and he just freezes. Doesn't say anything and powers down. And you know, something glorious is going to happen because <laughs> it's, someone deciding to do the right thing yeah that's all of star wars that's the life lesson of you want to see the hero succeed you want to see someone when presented with something here's something horrible are you gonna let it happen or not yeah
0: well it's also i like uh i mean i think as i've grown older that new hope is my favorite of the uh, you know, which is weird that like, you know, the very first one is the one that I latched onto, despite uh, frankly loving a lot of the the follow-ups. Um, but I, I love it like as a, a kind of like a roadmap for storytelling because it is like, I mean, you know, it's the hero's <laughs> journey. It's just like that. But what I think is so interesting about it is like, Luke knows the good thing he wants to do basically from like minute, five and he sticks to it the person with like an an arc who grows is han solo and you don't even have to see every step of his journey and so what i like is that every character is m- a moving piece and is evolving except for i mean chewy is chewy the whole time but uh and you know uh the droids are the droids but there's this these these like you know the character dynamics are changing independently of each other and i thought it was really cool uh And yeah, it's, it's a story. It's a journey of like growth and doing the right thing, but it's interesting that like two people have that arc happening in different times. Yeah.
2: The, there's a lot to unpack. (laughs) Uh, A a new hope is a perfect film. And a Mm -hmm. lot of that goes to Marshall Lucas and how she edited the movie to to save it it from being an abomination. (laughs) Uh, Lucas is amazing with the big idea. Yeah, he he needs feedback in order for things to work. He does. There,
1: I, I
0: yeah, I think he's a really like a primo idea man, and I think that you need you need someone
1: to edit.
2: Yeah, you, you need feedback, and he yeah. got it for that first film. Yeah, the list. If you there's audio of audience reaction in 1977 because when mm. Han leaves he's gone yeah and so when han comes back to take the shot (laughs) and it's not like you see him flying in you see a tie fighter explode yeah and then you see the falcon people erupted (laughs) like losing their minds and it's hard to capture that yeah and today you watch a movie that the planet knows Mm. People know it's going to happen. You're still happy to, to see it. But to be in that first audience, hmm. to know that. And the things, again, when you watch, like I thought Kenobi was amazing. I, I absolutely loved it. My favorite character. And because uh, I like questions of it. And, and how do you endure yeah. when things aren't going right? Uh, Mando, Book of Boba Fett. Like you, you characters trying to have personal growth. Yeah. In direction. I'm very optimistic about uh, Ahsoka. Uh, I look forward to Bad Batch. I absolutely love the character of Andor. I think Rogue One might be the best Star Wars movie. Hmm. Uh I do have a. It's it's either Rogue One or Empire. I have a really tough time, and it might depend on my blood sugar level. <laughs>
1: Fair. Uh, uh,
2: but. We all connect with this. Yeah. I, I'm speak, I've been presenting at Comic-Con and I'm very grateful for it since 2015. Yeah. And we fill the room when we talk Star Wars. <laughs> People care. People love it. And, and that's a beautiful thing.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of beautiful things shall we move on to the
2: plot i i say so yeah and (laughs) just for the record i do have all of my i i
0: I was gonna mention something before we started recording that like uh (laughs) i took a road trip out to uh los angeles like uh october or something no no it couldn't have been it must have been like february february uh so i i i I drove out there like on a road trip with my girlfriend and we stayed in palm springs uh at like a tiki themed uh hotel and i have been begging to retrofit the whole house with tiki themed stuff i haven't gotten a yes yet but if i'm persistent (laughs) enough one of these days
2: i have so i have the new kenobi yeah uh, I have Bocatan. I have the Dirt Trooper. I got a Sith Trooper.
1: Awesome.
2: I do Mando R2, Chewbacca, Han, and Carbonite. Perfect. I have half is Star Trek, and uh, I do have uh, Ghidorah and Kong. Oh, and, nice. So yeah. So no, it's uh, I don't drink alcohol, but I do like. You can make
0: <laughs> you make a virgin uh, uh, Mai Tai probably.
2: Oh yeah, it's, no, I'm I'm all down for that. I just. You know, I don't need to have a drink and then go to bed immediately. Totally, so
0: anyway, listen. Uh, there was an era where I, in, I enjoyed drinking. Now it is immediately like, oh my head. Um,
1: but yeah,
2: it, it, I'm all for a nightcap to go. I had a rough day, <laughs> like after moving, carrying heavy boxes. I, I this glass of wine is medicinal. So, uh-huh. so let's. I'm all for the plot. Let's talk about this. This. Awesome two-part series. Star Wars,
0: (laughs) Clone Wars, Season 2, Episode 18, The Zillow Beast. (laughs) The planet Malastare is under attack. And it turns out this planet full of Sebulbas is producing the fuel that the Republic desperately needs. And so are very good and definitely not evil... (laughs) (laughs) chancellor palpatine has authorized the use of an electro proton bomb Uh, for the first time in the show someone acknowledges that the droids do sure seem sentient and that maybe nuking them is immoral and it's mace windu asking that neat anyway nothing comes of that and the weapon is detonated with a roaring success but what's this oh no the explosion has cracked the whole planet's hollow surface In an effort to uh, find the troopers who fell into the crater, our heroes find something else instead. A massive reptilian beast! This lanky, three-armed creature makes short work of the clone troopers. Anakin runs in to assist his Boba Fett friends, only to find out that his lightsaber, which can mostly cut through anything, bounces harmlessly off of the beast. After escaping, Anakin is informed that the creature is the last of its kind. A race that once stalked the land of Malastare, killing all the Sebulbas (laughs) until they were nearly wiped out. Uh, uh, Until they were killed by the toxins released from the planet's core while mining for fuel. Anakin comes up with an idea to zap the creature with a stun gun and knock it out. And Palpatine thinks that's a pretty cool idea because it would be totally neat to have spaceships covered in dragon skin and no other evil reasons. And so, with that, this Star Wars cartoon becomes a Godzilla movie, as the clone troopers began to blast the creature with maser cannons. <laughs> to be continued. Glorious. Right <laughs> now. <laughs> Episode 19, The Zilla Beast Strikes Back. Hey, this Godzilla cartoon just became a King Kong TV show. <laughs> With the Zillow Beast down for the count, our heroes are able to whisk it away to Coruscant, into the gleeful arms of our beloved Chancellor Palpatine. And so, And so, the setting's largest, most invincible killing machine is imprisoned in the heart of the largest and most densely populated city in the Republic. What could possibly go wrong? Science is what? as the Republic scientists immediately start poking and prodding the Zillow Beast, and Palpatine, in a totally normal and not at all sinister way, suggests killing the creature so that we can harvest its armor. Ex-Queen, now-Senator, and secret wife Amidala says they probably shouldn't kill the last surviving member of an alien species, but good old Uncle Palpy just needs that gosh-dang Zillow meat, and Anakin is loving it. So, the order is given to poison the big guy by making it huff gasoline. What is this? A teenager in the 90s? But oh no, the creature unexpectedly and without any possible cause breaks loose. Hundreds are dying, and Anakin, our hero, can't help but get a little chuckle. Anyway, no one thinks that's weird, so I guess we're moving on. The Zillow Beast storms the Senate and targets the Chancellor. Wow, I guess it is sentient. But don't worry though, we have some more jet fuel and we're ready to kill this big lizardy boy. Almadala brings up that they could probably just use the Mazer tanks again and, you know, knock it out, but Anakin and Palps shush her and remind her that it's a King Kong story now. And sure enough, it is, as we poison the Zilla Beast and send it toppling to its death. We end with the promise of the Zilla Beast return as, Al- as Palpatine asks his science in a very normal and not sinister way to clone it. And the plot thread will never be brought up again. The it it
2: actually was. Oh, it was? In the Kylo Ren comic.
0: Okay, but that's like, they have like a a, a Zilla Beast on their planet that they worship. Yes. It's not a clone of this one, is it?
2: We don't know. So one of, uh, one of our <laughs> lawyers... Stephen Tullifield, who's a professor at Hastings, yeah. did a blog post on the Endangered Species Act <laughs> applying to the Zillow Beast. <laughs> And he talked about the Kylo Ren comic with him going there. And it's like, did did the cloning work and they brought him back? There
0: was just another one there. It's just it divergent. Was- you know, like how everything evolves into crabs, everything evolves into Zillow Beasts, maybe. That's-
2: we don't know but anyway we do <laughs> it is picked up in a comic so
0: it's... i did read that because i remember being like so excited when i finally watched this i was like oh i wonder when they're gonna do like i don't know like Zilla beast troopers or something no turns out they didn't like they killed him and they didn't even harvest those bikes for anything so bummer
2: let's just go for bad batch picks it up or one of the
0: oh theme.
2: yeah because there's uh, cloning in bad batch That's true and- so who knows maybe we'll pop up someplace else don't they got to don't take, lose faith
0: they gotta take care of a baby zilla beast and uh the uh, uh alpha
2: do you think someone could call it baby
0: oh <laughs> <laughs> um well hey speaking of speaking of the beast let's talk about this monster design uh i think the zilla beast is such an interesting weirdo uh, because it looks like a microscopic organism, but massive.
2: It it is wild to look at.
0: Yeah. So three
2: arms, three yeah. arms doesn't make sense from an evolutionary standpoint, but because one's out of the back and it's not like the head can turn all the way around. But yeah, they make this work.
0: Yeah, it's uh, and that's I guess that's a good place to start. It is a uh like it is a very hyper segmented kind of like a centipede body. Mm-hmm. Um, so like all, it's got three big lanky toes and like this ridged plate plated armor all the way up to its torso, which is then another series of plated, like carapace all the way up to its shoulder blades and its shoulders then have two, you know, humanoid arms coming out of them. And then its spine has a third coming out from like behind the shoulder blades. Uh, and they all have these like kind of floppy flat tentacly hands um on top of that it's got a uh bone spike very like uh uh triceratopsy no not triceratops uh stegosaurus stegosaurus, thank you i know nothing about dinosaurs despite doing a giant monster podcast with kyle (laughs) to this day still can't remember a single dinosaur name except for uh ankylosaurus (laughs) um But, yeah, uh, big, spiked, curved tail, uh, and it all kind of, like, comes together at its head, which is this big, lizard-like, like, uh, like, chompy mouth, rounded, like, football head. Uh, But the thing that really catches it is these, like, bright green eyes. And, like, you can tell right off the bat that it hates palpatine it knows palpatine is the reason it's here despite again palpatine being a good normal leader that we all love and respect and there's nothing sinister about him okay we all love palpatine
2: so (laughs) this the scene with palpatine floating up and talking about is it intelligent you know like just kill it yeah reminded me of gappa (laughs) yeah it did yes with the with the businessman saying like you can just me- domesticate any animal yeah which again I say try an alligator let <laughs> me know how that works out <laughs> it it will learn when it's going to be fed and go for your hand <laughs> and the same thing's happening here with you can clearly see Zillow is not cool with dude you just said you want to kill me
0: and it's it's like mm, oh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I- also, wonder if it could sense Sith.
0: And yeah, I, there it. wasn't that. I think the uh, I was reading like a because I read the wiki article about him, and I think that okay. he's uh, Floney said that as a joke that he could sense Dark Force users, uh, which would be a, a very interesting, like you know, uh, you know, creature habit to have, you know, uh, in my in my pre midichlorian brain where i can still imagine the force is a mystical thing and not just i don't know space bugs uh it is very interesting to imagine that there are creatures attuned to the force in specific ways and specifically that like these creatures tried to kill a bunch of sebulbas who are now like this kind of like war hungry uh race that also loves to cheat at pod racing so
2: yeah, yeah, the, the the that government i mean, it's like we'll just kill it. It's an internal matter. You just want to buy our fuel. We'll do what we want.
0: I mean, unfortunately, they really did have a point there, but uh also like it is the last it's the last of its kind, man. Come on now. Torturing it. Jeez Louise.
2: We'll just pour poison into its pit where it it's, hasn't
0: bothered anyone. Where it's been sleeping for several thousand years. <laughs>
2: Or just hanging out, not bothering anyone. It's yeah, like, it could have been that. With like, I'm just down here in my cave doing my <laughs> thing. Um, and oh yeah, it's wild. But yeah, I
0: I love the Zilla Beast design because it's it's weird and kind of like it doesn't feel like something you'd see in Godzilla. It feels more like an enemy that uh, Ultraman would face at some point.
2: I agree with that. The
0: it's just that place that plated look you know
2: it's different yeah which is part of the reason why this is so impressive that you have this animated series Mm -hmm. that does a love letter to to kaiju movies both specifically godzilla and kong yeah that's a hat trick (laughs) and have something look totally unique at the same time
1: yeah I mean,
0: it is it is very, very good creature design because they they had to have something that could emote, but something that was also like devastatingly powerful and most coolly of all uh, is just unique. You know, this is a really alien creature and it's not just having that third arm. It's the like fact that it is this giant hulking beast, but it moves very flexibly it's very like you know it's like it doesn't have bones you know despite it being very strong
2: it it, it looks like it could do acrobatics yeah it, it's like because that third arm apparently is handy Ew, especially when yeah, it's climbing
0: stuff yeah
2: it's like again only two legs <laughs> but knows how to use those three arms to get across town at lightning speed
0: oh yeah Which I think we can get into when we get to our our favorite moments. (laughs)
2: Um,
0: But uh, every once in a while, uh, one of these episodes will have some cool technology uh, that I get to talk about. Uh, Usually it's just like a really funny machine in the background or something like that. Um, I mostly added it when I was doing the Ava series just because there's like trying to describe all the tech in Ava you have to have like a whole section it's just like okay yes it's his mom's soul maybe and some people don't think it is but it's weird maybe it isn't I don't know but for technology with Star Wars I think we got to talk about the lightsaber uh, and I do kind of want to talk about this droid killing EMP which uh, has such a really cool <clears throat> effect for it. it 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 kind of
2: has the message of the neutron bomb. That it would leave a city standing, but take out all the people. And this weapon is both kinetic in that it has a shockwave. Yeah. So it's, it's not purely <laughs> just a big EMP. There's still a concussive force. Yeah. That decimates a large chunk of the uh, droid army mm-hmm. before the EMP takes out all electronics. Yeah. So it's not like it's just taking out droids. It's yeah. throwing everyone back to the dark ages. I
0: mean, even Anakin's prosthetic arm like freaks out for a bit.
2: Yeah. And the, they lose contact with Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bombers had to clearly get away before. So they wouldn't fall out of the sky. Yeah. Uh, I do have a problem with let's paint one Y wing difference to make it an easy target for <laughs> any anti-aircraft gunner. Cause that's just a bad plan with, Shoot the red one.
0: <laughs> it looks, it's got to have it. It's visually distinct for the TV show. It's for the cartoon. <laughs> it's for the cartoon, but it's just. <laughs> well, okay. Paint the underside the same. The top can be painted different. That way yeah. you can, like when you're running up to jump in really fast, you're like, I'm, well, I'm the proton bomb guy. I got to get the red one. You know? Yeah,
2: I understand that. But <laughs> man, it's like, dude. That said, so love all of that. The Mazer cannons.
0: Oh. oh, I didn't even think about talking about them. Yeah, the Mazer cannons are a a great like throwback, but they also feel like they fit the whole aesthetic of you know like Star Wars. They don't feel like out of place.
2: They they made them look consistent with Star Wars mm-hmm. tech. Yeah. So it wasn't just bootstrapping in what's something <laughs> cool from Star Wars. Yeah. That we could that would that would we can say like. Hey, this thing from a Toho movie looks like it fits.
1: Yeah.
0: It's these big, dip- blocky, they're not like circular like radar dishes. They're these big blocky kind of hexagonal um, you know, dishes. And then instead of shooting out like a big like electrical beam, it's a very concise laser. They kind of move around. But I, I love that I love the excuse they came up with for using it, which is like oh, well, you know, we don't want to kill it, so we'll use stun guns, which is a technology they already kind of have that would, like, shut down, like, electronics. And it's like, if we focus it, it might mess with, like, its neural pathways. You know, like, a powerful enough stun would knock it out because its, like, brain would go haywire. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting, like, little, like, throwaway, kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, we need to we need to have this cool scene with the maser cannons. <laughs>
2: And the fact that it's like, well, it can get underneath its armor Yeah, in order to zap it.
0: (laughs) I do like that. You see them kind of like trying to target around it because they can't, they're not just blasting it. They're looking for those, those seams because it is like a beast made out of plates, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, The lightsaber is one of the most iconic tools in media, I think, uh... It is, it's so fascinating to see it go from, you know, these very like individual kind of like, you know, it is Luke Skywalker, it's his dad and that's it, you know, and his master to where now, you know, the lightsaber is everywhere, but the sound effects and the look of it are still so cool. I, I, you know, I don't know if I like everyone having lightsabers and being able to flip and dip around in like the prequels, but I do you know that I still really love the idea of one day having a lightsaber?
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, I have seven. Nice. So, so this is the dark saber, which. Oh, nice. noises. <laughs> Uh I, at my office, I have one from Galaxy's Edge that I made that's hanging on the wall.
0: Oh, nice. You did the the proper, like, tour. Oh, heck yes.
2: And uh, I have a Count Duco and a Kenobi episode one. Over my Star Wars display cases in, nice. in my bedroom, and I have a couple stunt, three stunt ones, and I did order the Kenobi from the series Kenobi.
0: Oh, so, okay,
2: because <laughs> that that truly is my favorite. Yeah, oh. uh that hasn't been on the market for a long time, so <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting to that. But yeah, it's the lightsaber. It's different than other pop culture,
1: mm. so
2: it's. Okay, Star Trek. You get phasers and yeah. communicators, and like, and those those are fun and cool. The little plap or the little zap, yeah. You you get pirate and swashbuckling and Robin Hood swords of all shapes and sizes, and samurai movies you know, similar. The lightsaber is cool. It's just, it's like okay, it retracts. It's it's a laser sword you make your handle it's cool man (laughs) it's like it's a it's a for the galaxy's edge ones that they have it's i believe a fun personality test to see what do you choose Mm. and then what parts what's the parts that you pick after you pick the style oh yeah and and to go like where do you come down on this (laughs)
0: I think, uh, I think my first like proper interaction, cause like when I was a kid, it was just like lightsaber, it's sword with light. But, um, I played the Knights of the Old Republic game back in like, Oh God, that must've been high school and college. Uh, but I remember playing it with like my best friend when we were kids and like, you know, kind of like learning about like the Kyber crystal and like all that. And like the fact that like you do have to assemble your own lightsaber and there's this like, you know, again, it's that mystical kind of like forging your own sword, you know, and you see that trope a lot in fantasy where it's like, you have to go get the mystical metal to come back home and like forge this like super powerful, like blade that will allow you to defeat the enemy dark Lord, whatever. Uh, I, but it's, it's just very neat that it's like, you know, this intricate, like metallic device here, like you know, putting together like a microscope in reverse that amplifies a little tiny crystal's light into a, a heated laser beam. It's very cool stuff. And mind you, I am not an expert still, so I might be describing it a little bit wrong. <laughs> but it's very, it's just a neat toy. It's just so fun. There's like it like I can't like the cynical side of me kind of melts away when I just hear that that like turn on sound effect and that whoa wow the sound effect of it. The the just like Every aspect of a lightsaber is, like, laser keyed in to, like, get my attention. The lore behind how you make one, the look of them when they're not turned on, the look of them when they are turned on, that, like, ambient glow of the, like, you know, weapon, and the sound design. Uh, and the sound design, they stuck with it with, like, the show. Obviously, you can't change the sound design of it. But, like, it's very fun to see, like, you know, see and hear the lightsaber bounce off of this creature. Especially, like, in the last half, I don't put in the uh, – I didn't put it in the plot synopsis. I probably could have added a segment where I just talk about Yoda doing uh, interpretive dance on the back of the Zilla Beast with him and his friend doing flips and dips and just kind of like – and not really like harming it, but just kind of like, I don't know, maybe distracting it a little bit. <laughs>
2: yeah. As far as they're concerned, they don't want the head of state to die. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so, so like they got to do their thing to distract it. <laughs> the, on top of everything that you just said, there's the King Arthur part of the lights. Very much vest. so. Yeah. Uh, and that was very clear in the force awakens. Mm-hmm. The, the scene where the, you know, in the, towards the climax, where it turns into you know, Kylo Ren incapacitates Finn. Mm-hmm. And the lightsaber goes to Ray instead of Kylo Ren. Always hear cheers.
1: Yeah. Always.
2: And it just inspires. It connects with people on some deeper level whether it's mm. like childhood uh and wanting to be the the hero of a story or it's all the classic stories that people have grown up with uh, all the legends that it pulls from yeah uh, there's a deeper meaning there that uh, that just works yeah
0: <laughs> yeah it's yeah but I, I think that the, like the, the popcorn moments are very, very popcorn moments with like the lightsaber are extremely mem- like memorable. I don't think you have like a lightsaber that falls flat, you know, no. <laughs> uh, I, you know, even when there's like 300 of them on screen in like the clone wars, like movie, when like, uh, they're in that pit running, there is something kind of spectacular about like this line of people igniting lightsabers. It's very fun um and like even like star wars visions did amazing things with like uh like lightsabers as a concept so
2: the the ninth jedi yeah i absolutely love that one uh i mean just very well done like it hits all of the key elements of what makes star wars star wars (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and also the best tropes from anime at the same time it's like well, good, bravo! You <laughs> you hit the nail on the head. Good I, job.
0: I would like I, I i would like more like people who haven't watched all of Star Wars to make Star Wars properties. And I think that's what made Vision so fun for me. It's like, ah, oh, man, I not the place to talk about it, but it's very it's very good stuff. Um,
2: I, yeah, there there no kaiju in that but if we're ever to get into the samurai culture or Uh, one day, (laughs) those influences definitely there or the rock pop of Tatooine Rhapsody.
0: Oh yes.
2: With the message of be yourself because (laughs) you don't want to turn into a crime Lord like Jabba. Again, very well done.
1: Uh, um, uh,
0: So speaking of well done, shall we talk (laughs) about our favorite moments?
2: This is hard for me. It is there's... two
0: episodes, so we're. I, I if you have if you have one favorite moment from each episode, you can also do
1: that.
2: <sighs> All right, so I like seeing Anakin as the MVP. Yeah. So as he's flying into the crater. Oh yeah. And, and he asks R two to turn on the the, the beacon because he can't see. Yeah. And then through the smoke, sees the creature, and oh. he says. Never mind. No, no, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind.
0: I actually don't need you to do anything. I, I've got it from here.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like nice subtle humor. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> it's like, enjoy, enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. And then in the second episode, uh, the Zillow Beast giving Palpatine the stink eye.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: It, those work for me. It's like, very cool. Uh, <laughs> or Padme zoning in on civil rights yeah that democracies don't execute creatures in secret that the creature doesn't have a voice we have to be its voice those are all the right civil rights issues and it's it's padme being at her best
0: yeah i think padme is a really like strong character in the show and it just like makes the movies more it makes episode three sad (laughs) um Yeah, Yeah. Uh, I feel like I I feel like I really have like one specific favorite moment, and it's the breakout sequence when the Zillow beast breaks free of its like, you know, like little laser bindings in like the heart of this, like, you know, science building in the middle of the Republic and then just starts busting through buildings and like crowds of people and you see people evacuating, but just the devastation this creature is able to bring as it like storms. And you see it using all of its limbs, you know, cause it's like, it's almost like it never isn't touching something as it's like scurrying through like the, like all these buildings on its way to go kill Palpatine our good and noble boy who definitely is not evil and we shouldn't have any concerns about him. Uh, but just like his, like the way he moves, there's this fluidity and you don't see that with giant monsters. And it's so good. It's very, very fun to see. And just, uh, it, it just really captured my attention. It just made me like, I don't know. I just was like, wow, uh, really zoned in on it. Um, uh, I, I don't, uh, I've been leaning away from having like least favorite moments on, uh, episodes of signals just because like they're, um, they're shorter. And like, I like to focus on more of the positive aspects, but I will say that Palpatine literally turning away and be like, well, anyway, I guess there's nothing we can do. And not even being that far out of earshot and being like, go ahead and clone it. Like with the Jedi right there. And they're not, at, I mean, I know that like the impl- the, like, Line they have later is like, oh, well, he's using the force to cloud everyone's judgment. Um, <laughs>
2: yeah, he said the quiet part out loud, and it's, <laughs> uh, I again, we it's tough to tell depth of field with how close they are. That's that fair, but I think,
0: it's, I think that later seasons do Palpatine much better. Whereas in this one, I it's a it feels a little bit more like Palpatine for Babies, where he'll like say something out and out heinous. And then everyone just goes, I mean, he has a point <laughs> that they kind of move on. Whereas like in season, I want to say four five and six, his machinations, even when he starts to you know, something bad's about to happen, you see him being kind of like clever, and manipulative and like leading people astray. And uh, I just think that like, like they were finding their voice still in season two with how they wanted Palpatine to be presented, you know?
2: It was early, oh, yeah. and it, that makes sense. Uh, to the writer's credit, you have Mace Windu being the voice of reason with, <laughs> "We don't kill innocent creatures." Yeah, we don't. Th- and, and say, this is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, so there's there's, it's not like everyone's just whistling along with like, well, okay, I guess we have to execute this thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, I mean, Palpatine being pure evil of, <laughs> is it intelligent? kill it, kill it. You
1: know? yeah yes <laughs> yeah <Jeez.
2: laughs> Ian McDermott did attend one of our panels
0: oh before. really that's awesome
2: San Francisco. I didn't notice he was in the room <laughs> all of a sudden my uh, co-panelist started like giggling I was like is Megan having a stroke what's oh, happening no. here <laughs> it was because she realized he was in the room watching us
0: oh that's awesome <laughs>
2: i was like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, well with that, would you, would you mind giving your final thoughts on Zilla beast and the Zilla beast strikes back?
2: Yes, I would ha- be happy to because clone wars is some of the best star Wars stories ever told. We have what we have today because of the success of clone wars that then follows to the sale to Disney. I don't know if that would have happened or if we would have had the content that we have today without the Clone Wars. So I strongly believe uh, that this show that Star Wars could also work in short form as opposed to a sweeping epic. (laughs) And it could, so they could do episodic and it worked well with doing mini arcs or sometimes just one-offs. This arc is a love letter to kaiju movies. You can tell Dave Filoni loves Godzilla and King Kong and God bless him for it. (laughs) They did a really nice job honoring kaiju movies, Toho and Marion Cooper and um, Harryhausen, and uh, Willis O'Brien, like they did a really nice job honoring those who, who brought these creatures to life Yeah, in a fun, exciting way and uh, bless them for doing that.
0: Yeah. I think the Zilla beast uh, just mini arc. It, yeah. It's just two episodes. I mean, it is early on and you can tell that they're still like, especially cause I've very slowly making my way. I'm just now at season uh six um okay which has been really 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 entertaining uh but i fell off of clone wars when it was airing back on like the cartoon network era uh and then i only recently got access to disney plus again uh uh because uh i <laughs> my parents gave me their smart tv when they moved out and i was well, like oh oh I- hey you got the passwords on here can i just use your accounts and they're like oh yeah you could have asked and i was like Oh, I, I kept forgetting. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I've been catching back up to like, you know, finish where I, where I left off. Um, but it, it is, it's very clear that like, yeah, there is a love for Kaiju and there's uh, uh yeah, it's, it's a, it's just an homage, but it's very interesting. That's an homage between the two uh, in a way that matches, uh you know, like you've got a little bit of like a Gorgo vibe. Yeah. Um, and the creature design is just stunning uh the 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 alien like species that they add to like the lore of this show over the course of it like it's just it's fun it's so fun and this this creature design is just like like I said it's something that like ultraman should be fighting and the fact that you have you know uh our lightsaber wielding bros are completely useless against it it's just a very very interesting thing um i am kind of bummed that there's not like more like it isn't utilized outside of these two episodes um i mean you know like with wanting to clone it or with wanting to utilize its like armor or something i think there'd be like interesting ideas with it um but as a nugget as a little story and i think that that's the thing is i've gotten too used to everything leading into the next thing you know content upon content um with this being its own little capped like story uh i think it is just super neat to see giant monsters plus jedi flipping and dipping you gotta love it
2: absolutely there's i would add in the animation context Rebels introduces Pergil, purg- which are uh, vacuum breathing space creatures that, that can qualify as kaiju because of their size. Awesome. <laughs> In Bad Batch, there's an episode where they have to rescue a, a baby rancor a, one, yeah. A kidnapped child, but it turns out to be a rancor. Yes. And the rancor fla- fights a flying creature. Oh, yeah. so again so there there's there's clearly love for this genre that star wars keeps embracing yeah uh because they again rankers were introduced or (laughs) in return of the jedi so yeah uh again a lot of love for phil tibbett and and others of that uh, model making stop motion men in suits (laughs) (laughs) there's definite love for the genre
0: <laughs> so uh where can people find more of the legal geeks
2: well i'm always in your heart so there's that <laughs> but uh the our social media is the, at the legal geeks so we're we're on tick uh twitter facebook instagram and mm-hmm. tiktok
0: I've caught a few I caught your Boba Fett live streams which were very very fun. Thank you. Uh it's yeah, I uh I, I like I don't really spend a lot of time on Facebook, but as soon as you said like oh yeah, we we like live streamer cuz we we were met up to talk about some other thing and I was like, "Oh cool, I got to catch that." And like I, I as soon as I like got the schedule, I was like, "All right, I can actually I'll actually log on to Facebook again." So that was very fun.
2: <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. We're <laughs> we're going to do monday nights at 6 p.m. pacific awesome. for uh andor.
0: Okay, nice.
2: So we're there's a team of lawyers that are going to be covering that including uh JAG officer who's now with the international red cross uh and an all-star lineup of legal minds who love star wars who can <laughs> uh who are just thrilled that we're going to get you know 12 episodes of andor. Yeah. So we're all very excited. <laughs> So that's where you can find us. And I just want to say thank you for having me. Love listening to you guys. Love listening <laughs> to the after dark. It feels like I get to hang out with you. Hmm. So to actually get to talk and you talk back is kind of <laughs> weird. Well, I'm
0: sorry. That that's on me. I need to I need to hang out with you more. I'm sorry. I uh, <laughs> it's, it's I, fun. <laughs> I feel like I, I'm just so like text heavy now, or I'll just like reply to people um but yeah uh i uh yeah no i'm i'm glad that like i'm glad like it always it it makes it warms my heart when people say they like you know like listening to especially like the more rambly after darks
2: (laughs) oh it's yeah you guys talk about the news and (laughs) i mean the, the humor is very it's very welcome after either a rough day of work and trying mm. to solve complex problems just hearing people who love monster movies <laughs> chatting and having fun it, it's a nice mental break uh from we're here from to, to we're here
0: home. to break minds and break hearts that's the the tokyo lives motto <laughs> uh it's <all> good
2: buddy <laughs>
0: <laughs> um well on the next episode of tokyo lives uh we're going to be covering um I literally just recorded it like two days ago. My brain is already fried. We're going to be covering uh, Godzilla 2000. Uh, talking about Orga to continue Space Month. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm so glad, Joshua, that you could join me to talk uh, about Star Wars after you mentioned that I should cover this episode probably three years ago. Uh, and so I'm glad that finally we did it. We, we, we came, we saw, uh, and we, we geeked out.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. And it's because kaiju and star Wars go together like chocolate and peanut butter or, Mm -hmm. um, pick, pick whatever delicacy. (laughs) I I, I had ramen for lunch. So there you go.
0: (laughs) um well uh uh, I look forward to talking to you all on the next episode of Tokyo Signals bye everyone goodbye adieu farewell
1: This concludes this test of the emergency broadcast system.